5: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, please visit dkng.co slash pick states Void where prohibited. See terms at pick I'm
1: Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech Green Money. Randall Yarbrough is a multidisciplinary designer with professional experience in the fields of sporting equipment, apparel, and footwear. He was senior footwear designer at Yeezy and is now leading his own label, Joy Shed, where he serves as creative director. Knowing what he knows about reaching some of the highest levels in creative direction, what would he say is the most important non-design related thing to know about achieving success?
6: That's a great question. I, I think one of the things that, uh, that aren't design related is kind of just being, being honest with yourself and with others. Um, That's probably the biggest thing that I can think of right off the top of my head uh, when it comes down to it. Like, you can be a great designer um, and you can do amazing things. You can make beautiful pictures. uh, But at the end of the day, like being very honest and and truthful about what you're doing um, makes it much easier to do those things. Right. To portray what you're trying to portray or convey what you're trying to convey um, that message or that design. Uh, Because at the end of the day, like, you know, you can't fall back on something that you make up at the end you know what I mean so um yeah just being honest and truthful about what you're doing at the end of the day will kind of get you and guide you into the right place
1: and so I was having this conversation with another designer a few episodes ago and we were talking about you know the need for the the ability of storytelling and the need for designers to be able to tell stories because that could potentially be just as important as having the, the the asset um, can you talk a little bit about that from your perspective?
6: Yeah, just the storytelling part, like being able to have the ability to storytell.
1: Yeah, communicating your idea, because it's it's one thing to have a dope shoot, I imagine. And it's another thing to be able to translate that dope shoot to make people other people know that it's dope.
6: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it, it's kind of like, uh, like stand-up comedy, right? Um, not saying it's trying to make people laugh, but just being able to kind of like, transfer everything that you just put into that work, whether it's a building, whether it's a chair, whether it's a shoe and kind of be able to share that journey. And that's also where that truthfulness, that honestness um, comes back where you're like, "I, I worked so hard throughout the entire process. Once I get to that point where I'm either in front of a bunch of people in front of the CEO, in front of the team, sharing the journey or sharing what I just created or put in front of them. You know, I don't have to fall back on made up stories or made up things like the entire journey, the entire process. You know, I was on, honest. I was truthful. And then that story is just so easy to tell. It's like, um, you know, not everybody is able to talk about themselves. But, you know, once you do have that little rhythm, and that cadence, you're able to kind of just go back and just grab a few things. And that storytelling becomes extremely easy. It's not something that you have to like, you don't have to make it up. You know, what I mean, it's uh, it makes it much easier at the end of the day when it comes to storytelling. Uh, it's de- but it's definitely important, though. I think the um, lucky thing for me is I, I study architecture uh, in undergrad and and just being able to sit there in front of like 50 other classmates and six uh, six architects, you know, training, trained architects, practicing architects and your professor and being able to take what you just did for over the past you know, month or so and put it in, you know, being very like vulnerable and sharing that story and that, that journey with people in front of you um, is, is a, is a, it's a hard thing to do, but it makes uh, everything that you did before. a super exciting. It's like, it's a feel good moment.
1: Yeah. You, you said a couple of things that, that piqued my interest there and I'm from the Midwest also. I'm from Toledo, which is like, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes from where you're from in Detroit. Yep. And I remember, I remember growing up and designing clothes and, you know, tearing apart some jeans I had with some corduroys that I had also and putting them together and making something new out of them. And then like the places that we grew up, it is a lot like Detroit um, and like that, that isn't necessarily something that's, you know, um, amplified. Like there's not a lot of people trying to do that type of work where we're from. And so I'm, I'm wondering, like, what was the, the fuel in the tank or the encouragement you had, or the self-determination you had to fight for those ideas so that it like me, I stopped doing it after I was probably like 12 or 13. Cause I'm like, okay, nobody around me does this. Like, this is not what we do here. <laughs> right, right. And so I wonder, like, what was it about your, your coming of age that helped you fight for that idea?
6: Yeah, I'm, the number one thing, and, and I always say it, uh, just like, growing up in Detroit, I was there till I was nine, but that entire time, I learned so much. Like, I, I've seen, I saw, <laughs> I saw a lot of stuff. So, you're just like, you know, you grow up faster there, but the entire time I was like, man, how do I, how do I get my mom out of this? Like, you know, typically we think, you know, playing basketball, playing football, you might do a sport activity something to get that money because it, it only makes sense or you can go you know a totally different route but um the entire time all I could think about was like I want to build her a house if I build her a house we can get out of where we're at right now so in my head that's that's what I had installed like building her a house I didn't know what it was or how to do it exactly um but I knew I I loved the idea of it you know I love music I love the buildings that are around me I love shoes and and all these things that that were Detroit. And then uh, when I finally, we left Detroit and got to South Carolina, that's when I kind of learned about architecture. And I was like, oh, that was my, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to be, become an architect. And so that was kind of like the guideline um, of seeing the things around me. And then finally understanding what that goal was or what I was looking to become to then achieve the things that i saw or the things that i was thinking about so uh, it started off as a kid and just wanted to you know literally just build my mom a house and then the love of like music architecture footwear sports somehow got me to that point of like oh i want to do architecture
1: <laughs> yeah and so what's interesting to me is that you there's a lot of us that grow up you know i want to buy, build my mom a house or i want to buy you know, my grandma, a car, or I want to, you know, do, I want to do something for somebody that I love. And part of the disconnect we have, like even in tech, is like so many of us are consumers of the applications and software that we use, and not enough of us think about there's somebody on the other side building this thing, right? And so because you're so passionate about mentorship and teaching and, you know, leading along the next generation of black designers, what's important to you or how is it important to you to tackling the idea or the concept of, representation and awareness to know that there's us out here doing this work so that more people do desire to be this. I mean, I was, I was raised and I wanted Jordans my whole life, you know, but I never thought of, I could be a Jordan designer. You know what I mean?
6: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely true. Um, I guess like at a certain point I got, I got pretty lucky and, you know, just blessed because even living in Detroit, there were CCS. You know 10-15 minutes from my house and um you know at ccs that they study you know architecture design footwear design they industrial design they do everything there but i was only 15 minutes away and i knew i knew nothing about it um you would think that i was across the country um but i was just down the street and so i didn't have that you know same as you, like i didn't have that representation i didn't have that understanding that i could literally not walk down the street but i could go down the street and I could be at a place where you know all those needs that I was looking for could be like fulfilled. It was. It wasn't until um, my last year, my fourth year of architecture school, and I entered into oh, uh, like this um, t-shirt competition called Future Soul with Nike and Jordan Brand. And I was just doing t-shirts, just graphics. But um, it was my first time doing graphics, and I was like trialing it out. And that's where like I kind of got that start. In that representation um they flew us out to nike so the contestants there was apparel and footwear they flew us out to nike got to you know tour the campus and i got to meet a lot of black designers um the the main person Dwayne, dr Dwayne edwards who now runs lewis pencil college um you know he was the reason why people of color were in that space at that time um just for the, the future so and that's that representation, and that, like, that's that, that little drop that I needed at the time to push me and continue like, pushing me into the right direction. Because with his guidance, um, you know, E. Scott, Jason Maiden, like, those, those guys, Wilson Smith, um, being able to finally see that representation of Black people, not just in wear design, but just in, in the corporate setting, doing creative things was, was just like, it was eye-opening you know, um, architecture the entire time, there was like maybe three or four of us uh, that were were Black. And then just seeing that there were so many more in the professional space, it was like, oh, well, now I got that drop of of guidance. And then their words and their, you know, their feedback was telling me, hey, you get to this point, you got to do the same thing we did. You know, we built this bridge. You got to continue to build it. You got to continue to give rides. You got to, you know, you got to do these things to help, pull other people up, just like, you know, hopefully we're pulling you up. And, and that's where that, um, that's the representation came from. And that's the the reason why I try to do it as much as possible when I can.
1: Yeah. So I was talking with a friend of mine, Daryl Brown, who you might know was Midwest kids and Daryl Brown clothing company was at one point Kanye's one of the stylists for Kanye. And we were talking about his aesthetic and if you know Daryl, or even his line, it's very workwear. It's workwear, it effectively across the board, because he used to work on the train, you know, the railroad. And we're both from Toledo, and we were talking about this is because I'm interested in your design aesthetic and how much of your upbringing in the Midwest and Detroit may speak to it, like some other designers might have something in their childhood that speaks to how they design. So, is there anything about your upbringing in the in the Midwest and Detroit that speaks to what you put to pen and paper?
6: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. Again, going back to being a kid, just like that architecture, the music, um, the design—like you think about so many different things <clears throat> that um, that kind of pop out. Even right now, I'm I'm, I'm wearing like Carhartt, on my T-shirt <laughs> yeah. and my there jacket. <laughs> that. That's what we <laughs> it's, it's not even on purpose. It's yeah. just a, yeah. it's a it's a a good feeling um so yeah i would definitely say so at least from my my visual aesthetics you know um but then when it comes to like from a design perspective i would say so it might not always be in what i physically create um so you know consciously might be subconsciously but um even in the way that i like appreciate certain houses like if you you think about like all brick um, duplexes that that we have in the midwest um you know the way that we dress is a little bit different the way that we speak is different so there's there's a lot of different things that that pop up and it might not be as i'm not i might not be like very cautious of like yeah. me doing it it might just be like um you know muscle memory not even noticing it
5: One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for PIC6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash PIC6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos.
1: Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like four times membership reward points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories each month on up to $150,000 in purchases each year. So you earn more where your business spends the most, plus up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist you can continue to run your business with confidence the mx business gold card now smarter and more flexible that's the powerful backing of american express enrollment required terms apply learn more at americanexpresscom business gold
2: card as a person with a very deep voice i'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns but a deep voice doesn't sell b2b and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell b2b either
7: That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic.
0: Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine for us wise folks. It helps protect.
3: I'm 19
0: strong and asthmatic and at higher risk.
1: before you got to Yeezy, and, and you said this in the in, in the interview, you said when I went into the interview, I was talking to them, and I was like, "Hey, I'll do this technical designer role for now, but just so you understand, after a year, I want to be a footwear designer. I already had the tools and the knowledge, so after a year being a technical designer, I was a footwear designer at Yeezy, and so um, or Adidas, maybe even before Yeezy. I'm not sure which was it, Adidas or Yeezy specifically.
6: It was Yeezy and Adidas, so it was like it was Adidas Yeezy.
1: Gotcha. Got you. And so I wonder what gave you the confidence to speak up in that way? Like so many of us just want the opportunity to get into something that could be special. But you were effectively putting it like, yo, I want, this is what I want. And that could even put you at risk of not getting it. But you were you had the confidence and what, so I'm, I'm interested in what gave you that?
6: Uh, man, just I, I just had to do it. Um, I, To be honest, I think it it's just kind of my personality. It's like at the end of the day, like you, you, have nothing to lose. Grandpa told me the same thing. Like you know, you ask for what you want. All they can say is no, and doesn't yeah. know really hurt you. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with what I was saying. Um, also, I just came from Skills, which was in Carlsbad, and I was a product designer there. So for me, I was taking a step back. I was about to be a senior designer um, doing sports performance, like training equipment and stuff like that, but. It was going to be a step down. Um, So I wanted them to understand, like, where my goals were. So then I wouldn't – I couldn't, like, say that it was ever lost or it wasn't heard. It was like you have to kind of – you have to speak up for yourself, represent yourself. Otherwise, you know, they'll just say, oh, well, you didn't tell me that um, you wanted to do that. I I didn't know. And that's a great response for them to, you know, kind of cover up um, your progress pretty much. So it was pretty – that was – Probably the the reason why, and then also you know, understanding that I was gonna be one of the only black people again in the space, especially for Yeezy. Um, I did the same thing at Skills. Like for about two years, I was the only black person at Skills. Uh, so for me, I was like, you know, I was gonna stick out anyway, so I might as well you know make it understood and known, you know, before I even started in the brand.
1: Yeah. And just, and just so I'm clear, when we talked about you know it was Adidas slash Yeezy, I'm I'm curious on how that relationship between Adidas and Yeezy was because I know sometimes it's okay Yeezy and the, the team can go do whatever they want and they just show they they show up at the end of the day and show Adidas what they did, but is it more integrated that relationship between that Adidas team and that Yeezy team?
6: Yeah, yeah, the especially footwear um, apparel was was separate at the beginning apparel was like a part of adidas as well adidas easy um but for footwear it was pretty integrated like oh, yeah. you know working with people like Steven smith and and the team over over at yeezy it was we were all one so it was a it was a group that we were working together every single day um so yeah it was it wasn't like um i was working in the adidas office i was working in the in the calabasas Yeezy office with the team um so actually it felt like i wasn't even adidas yeah i would go i would go to portland uh to like visit the campus and stuff like that and um you felt like you were still just easy you didn't really feel like you were a defeated so it was it was interesting nobody made it that way it was just kind of how it was set up you know
1: and so further on the question about your transitioning to a role that i'll say this was beneath you in, in in your career trajectory um how did it make sense for you? What was the thesis? What was the thought process you went through to say, you know what, taking this step back in my career makes sense.
6: Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I wanted to get into footwear, um, my, my friend, Sarah, Sarah Sabino, she, she was a footwear designer on the team. And she called me and she just said, Hey, you still want to get in footwear. And I was, I was four years into my time at skills and I was just like, it was like a decent trajectory. I, you know, had products out and um I had patents already already out. And um on paper it looked like a step back, but in reality it was like I want to get into footwear. So I'll take this this chance and this opportunity to also kind of come in as like a childlike mindset where I can just learn and learn without trying to sit there and be like, oh, I already know you know, big up my chest and be like, I already know what I'm doing. Like, I'm good. I was about to be a senior, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have to do that. I could just come in there and be very open to accepting knowledge and understanding without kind of having the fault of being, like, thrown in as a footwear designer and then someone telling me, like, hey, you, this guy's not working out. So it was it was kind of a blessing, um, even on paper, that it might look a step backwards. It, it felt like a major, like, hop, leap forward
1: for the people who don't myself included understand the whole difference between you know a technical designer versus a junior designer versus a design director or a senior senior designer can you explain the differences between those particular roles in a in a house
6: yeah it it all depends on the profession and the, the product that's being made but typically like you can see it you know very similar technical designer like you know, you come in there, you're kind of doing blueprints and, um, and working on certain certain things. And when I say blueprints, it's just, you know, kind of doing like the very technical drawings to then get it communicated with the factory in China um, or with the team in general. So whether that's a tooling or an upper shell type pattern, um, you're kind of doing that baseline. So you're doing a little bit less of design and conceptual, you know, conceptualizing. And you're taking receiving those concepts and trying to make them, you know, turn them into reality. Uh, when it comes to a junior designer, you are you know, you can kind of be doing both. You can be doing the technical work, and you can also be doing a little, you know, concepting. They might have you doing laces. They might have you doing outsole design. Just there's a few different things like that. And then when you jump up to, like, a uh, footwear designer, um, then you take on more projects, and you should be walking it from the, concept phase, so like the sketch phase all the way through production. And so so it, yeah, they bounce around
1: a little bit. Yeah, my bad. Oh, yeah. And so when you think about there are so many Yeezy shoes particularly that have pushed the boundary of what we think about when you are thinking about boots or sneakers, they don't look like any other sneakers in the market, or they didn't before everybody else started to copy the style I should say. But um, <laughs> when you think about that and you also think about driving market demand, how do you balance creating something that doesn't look like anything else and think about, okay, this thing has to sell also to be successful?
6: Yes, yeah, that's a super important, uh, that's a super important part of the, the whole journey. And, um, you know, honestly, yay is the reason why it's pushed so hard. So, you know, him being able to take that, and then turn it into a marketable product. You know, product is a little bit different than, you know, you putting it behind someone else. And we can kind of see that when it comes to, you know, other people that are part of like Adidas um, or other like, you know, celebrities, how different their like trajectory was. You know, you could put on a sock or you could put on a, a shoe with a bunch of layers and people would be like, oh, that's, that's quality versus, you know someone else who might not actually have that that reach and that um convincing like manner so it, it was a little bit easier on our behalf but when it came to like pushing the boundaries of design it was very like holistic between himself and the design team like him really being specific of what he wants and very detailed and then us making sure that we could like be very like intricate in how we created and, and made something The liking of what he was
1: looking for. I want you to speak a little bit more on that because I've heard stories about, like you know, he actually does draw also, and he actually you know comes to the office with concepts. And I'm sure you've worked with people who just say, "I want this thing," go design it also, and then have a concept. So talk to me about the different relationship and different working types there is when you have somebody who actually has some skill, and they come. To the office with drawings versus just being given a task
6: yeah at the end of the day like a lot of people do just take what's given to them when it comes from a design perspective or they might be a little bit nicer um you know i've heard stories about pharrell where he's a little bit you know as we can all see that he has like a a a very like caring soul so when it comes to sharing you know footwear and designs with him, it could be much different than um, when it comes to Ye, where he's like, you know, you come in and you show him something and he's liking it, but he has a you know, specific eye of what he wants, so he might take it, sharpie it, update it. Or, you know, I think his mind works a lot different than a lot of people's where he has like this Rolodex of, of designs and footwear and names in his head, and he can like kind of call out to a specific shoe or a specific area of a shoe, and just be like, hey, can we go get this, and then translate it into like how we would actually put it through our lens. Um, so it, it is much different working with uh, you know certain people. Like you might, you might a basketball athlete, you might take the shoe and hand it directly to them. Like I did that at, at uh, Skills, where we worked on a product, and you know it's it's less you know apparel footwear focused. It was more like you know something that they were using to make themselves play better whether it's football or basketball and so a lot of times they didn't have the the verbiage to be like giving great detailed feedback they might be like yeah that's cool that's it or they might just accept the product as is and and have no feedback but i think with yay it's more so the sense where he's very just very detailed very like that detail oriented um mindset that he has is super specific and um it really does push the boundaries, so you can like put up a hundred different designs, and um, only two might be the one that we go forward with, and, and you know, concept out, prototype out, sample out, and um, it's just a different way of working, um, and that that goes through all across his products, whether it's footwear, apparel, architecture, you know, you name it.
1: So talk to me. So I want to understand the differences in these working relationships. I, I was interviewing Jeff Staple for this podcast also, and he was talking about at his level or his, the way his business is designed. There's a bunch of designers there, obviously, but there's designs that he had nothing to do with one. And some he's and some, he said he probably wouldn't have even put up. He, he He like, he wouldn't even wear that, but he understands where he's at. Like, this is what, you know, I guess the market is the many I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing that part, but talk to me about yeah. like, the different ways these fashion houses work and these labels work to where you can have somebody like a Jeff staple, who's got, you know, these things out in the marketplace that he has both a nothing to do with and B, you know, probably wouldn't wear it himself because it doesn't sound like easy would ever work that way.
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it It's tough. Like, um, Outside of work with Yay, I think the only thing that that I could think of that would be similar to it just goes back to you know I guess what Jeff said where you have this idea of what you want and then if he goes into you know Adidas or Nike whatever and he's putting up a his idea of what he what he's looking for there's gonna be ten filters no that means ten designers creating something for him and depending on, you know, the brand, the business unit, they might, the marketing people might see a direction for the design. The way we worked was a little bit different. Um, cause typically the marketing people, they give you like a brief, like here's, here's the direction of what we want. Um, for us, it was different. Like he would give us the brief, not, not a paper, but just like a brief, like, Hey, I want a waterproof boot that could, you know, that could help me fly. So you start figuring out like this is the idea of what he wants. Now let's put it through the filter of however many designers we have, and then you know make sure we have an outcome of what he's looking for. Um, it, I guess for Jeff's, you know the way that Jeff was putting it, it, it is a little bit different. It's just a different filter, right? Like that's the that's the biggest difference when it comes to Yeezy versus any other business unit or brand. Um, you just have a different filter different people that are creating the filter and then out, you know, outputting the products.
1: Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like four times membership reward points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories each month on up to $150,000 in purchases each year. So you earn more where your business spends the most, plus up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist you can continue to run your business with confidence the mx business gold card now smarter and more flexible that's the powerful backing of american express enrollment required terms apply learn more at american businessgoldcard business
2: gold card as a person with a very deep voice i'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns but a deep voice doesn't sell b2b and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell b2b either So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Got my PrevNar 20 shot.
0: It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine
3: may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com.
4: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20 even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.
8: With what seems like an endless amount of information at our fingertips, we tend to forget that wondering about things is really part of the journey to finding answers we are looking for. So, when it comes to the hot topics of Israel, Judaism, and Zionism, there's so much to wonder about right now that it's hard to know where to turn. Enter the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wandering Jews with Michal and Noam. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Beton and Noam Wiseman as they tackle these topics and the uncomfortable questions that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. It's the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, and you will find it very interesting and fulfilling. Remember, it's called Wondering Jews. So check it out. Subscribe to Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wandering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. <sighs>
9: Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com, rules and restrictions may apply.
1: I want to talk about Joy Shed a little bit. First, if you can introduce us to what you're working on with, uh, with Joy Shed, I'm going to give it to you to just introduce it first, then I have some questions.
6: Yeah. So Joysha started off with me just wanting to to have something of my own. Um, I think it's important. Like we spend so much time giving our like design mind and our creations to a brand and you know to different people, and we have nothing to like have for ourselves, right? We have nothing that we built ourselves and can say that it's like 100% ours. So you know, I was thinking like, what could I create that would be you know ultimately myself? What would be me? And so I thought it was like basketball shorts. I love basketball. I play it as much as possible. I play it growing up as a kid. Um, and, you know, growing up, I would just buy, if I had money, I would just buy every single short. I go, go on eBay and get the authentic or the replicas of UNC or Detroit Pistons, whatever, whatever I could find, just something to be, you know, tangible and just see it. And I probably, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, I probably have like a, or I've had over like 200 pairs of different basketball shorts, wow. different brands so i was like what can i do that's going to be real to myself and that's where it came with just the idea of having basketball shorts the naming was super hard right because uh you know i was born in detroit left there when i was nine got to south carolina you know was there for nine years you know, until i graduated high school 18 and uh, you know going from detroit to south carolina everybody would be like yo where are you from and i'm like oh detroit so every single time for about you know five years somewhere actually where, where I'm from and I would say Detroit because I've only been in South Carolina for a, you know, a short amount of time but then when I went to college that's where I started seeing people I started getting confused myself where am I from <laughs> oh uh I Man. I Detroit, but I just came from South Carolina I I don't know what to really tell you so anytime I would say that you know the, the South Carolina people would be like yo why are you gonna leave us out um so I had to try to find a way to put the two together. And what I did was uh, I wanted to just represent both at the same time. And so I grew up on Joy, Joy Road in Mansfield, west side of Detroit. And um, when I got to South Carolina, our first house was on Holly Shed Road. So I was like, how do I, how do I make this right? So I took Joy, Joy Road and I took Holly Shed, took the first part of that, Joy Shed, put them together and it, it just sounded right. It clicked for a little bit and I was like, okay, I can make this work. And um, that, that's how I was born, just from just from the idea, at least the naming part of it. It's like, where's my DNA? You know, where the two places that influence me the most and how can I represent that through a product or, you know, through a look. And um, yeah, that's that's where it all came from
1: how do you go about repping where you're from in a way that can translate successfully to people who have no affinity towards, you know, joy road and howling shed? Like, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah. Or does it matter that that they, they even know what it means? I,
6: I think what, what, what has worked or what I feel that has worked is people being, again, being honest and truthful, you know, truthful with themselves. And then that, Hopefully, you know, comes across the right way to other people, right? Um, So, if you can like show your your honest self and be truthful to yourself, like, you know, the people from Detroit, the people from Irmo, South Carolina, you know, obviously right off rip, they'll love it just because of the naming, just because of like, you know, who I am. But when it comes to other people, that's when the design portion comes in. I think people will love the honest truth about, you know, why you created the brand. And what you're trying to do with it and then also the product will then speak for itself so um you know that's why it took so long to get to where it's at right now and and as simple and simplistic and clean as it looks um again i think that's where that detroit eye comes from that that very simplistic look and and not being like too loud but also being very um you know very like you, you're you know yourself that Midwest, like, you're not, we're not very, I don't, I don't feel that we're very loud, but we do like, we do know ourselves, and you kind of like, uh, there's like a preparation of respect in the way you carry yourself as well. So that's kind of how I see the brand.
1: You're very passionate as we discussed about mentoring the next generation of black designers. Um, what piques your interest in who, in selecting who you're going to work with? I mean, I, I can imagine you get a lot of emails, a lot of DMS, or, you know, whatever people reach out, you know, I want to be, I would work for free. I would do whatever just to be around. Like, how do you, what gets you excited about somebody?
6: I think the consistency, right. A lot of people, um, and you're right. Like definitely get a lot of DMS or a lot of emails. And I try, I try my best to respond to them all. And it's not easy. Like, and I'm not, I'm not even, I don't think I'm big time at all. I'm just like a small whatever person, I'm just chilling. And it's tough still, (laughs) so I can't imagine being, you know, even more, you know, face forward to uh, the public. And, um, but I think the biggest thing is someone being very consistent. And one thing I've learned from having mentors myself is once I do get that person having a conversation, whether it's the first or second, once that person shows that they can kind of like be very like strategic and and very um, on top of the things that I do share with them that that really helps like with one of my mentors Jason Maiden like anytime that he we have a conversation and anytime that he shares his knowledge with me and then almost gives me like a task even if he doesn't say it's a task I I take it as a task right just from playing sports I try my best to make sure that I come back to them with results, just so I can say like, Hey, I didn't take what you just said and the time you gave me for granted. I made sure that I like went through, I built what you said and I brought it back to you so I could show it to you. So that consistency and that person being on the understanding of like the timing and, and the knowledge share and them appreciating it and then, you know, finding a way to either share it back with me or, you know it to the next person that's what really really shows me that that person cares and it's um you know it feels good once you see them doing that too so it's the best part about it
1: when i think about the industries that are being democratized in so many ways if i want to drive for a living i don't have to go work for a limo company or a bus company i can legit just jump on uber and do it myself if i want to be a musician i don't have to get on death death row or Def Jam or whatever you know or good music I can put out my music by myself from a fashion perspective where's the opportunity for designers to find success without you know getting hired by a house
6: you know honestly a lot of people have been doing amazing jobs on Instagram and social media which is uh it's a lot different right like they've been able to People have been able to have their almost resume from creating things online. Now, that doesn't always turn into a product, or it turns into like opportunities. But I have seen it work for a lot of people. Where you know, some you might see somebody on Instagram, and be like, "Hey, like, let's go get them and have a conversation, see what else they can do, and see you know how they work and how their mind, you know, how their mind works." Um, so I don't think that you they you know anyone needs to jump. You know to a Nike or an Adidas I think it's a great opportunity for people that want to do that but um you know nowadays we have an, an I don't want to say easier route but a, you know multiple routes it's not just like you know Nike or Adidas or a Reebok you don't have to go down those paths you, there's other ways around it like you know creating your own brand um not you know it's tough it's tough but it's an opportunity that you kind of create for yourself and then once you get to that point, people hopefully will see it. Uh, and then also, what's amazing now is people are able to do like three D printing. Um, you know, I would speak to AI, but I, I'd rather jump to the three three D printing because um, we've seen it become, you know, something major like Zellerfeld, uh, you know, creating three D and giving designers the opportunity to put their brand or you know put their ideas out there into a physical form because it's not always easy to um create a product or even especially not a shoe a shoe takes mold cost takes upper cost um you know in doing 3d printing it also costs but the upfront is not as much as like creating you know a person's own shoe. so i don't again i think you're right you don't have to go through like a house or through a brand you can always find other ways and i think those ways are definitely being opened up like 3d printing even, you know, AI conceptualizing and sharing it on Instagram or TikTok. There's just so many new ways of finding, finding your voice and kind of being able to share with other people.
1: And two, two more things I want to get to before I let you go. Um, one, I just thought this was super interesting. I was thinking about this, that hip hop has had an undeniable impact on fashion. Um, I think we would all agree with that. And now you have Afro beats, which is, you know, top of the charts you know a lot of music i was i was reading this tweet by Lil duval the other day he was talking about you don't have the afro beats take over because you know you go to the club now and all they're playing is afro beats and i wonder what you think that impact may have on fashion
6: just just afro beats in general the,
1: the culture of afro the, the african culture yep. number one but afro beats more specifically
6: yeah i mean again we've had a we've had an impact on America, on the world, ourselves, just being black people in general. Like, you know, they put us on marketing campaigns, you know, they, they don't, we're not always behind the scenes creating the product or creating the, the guidelines or the marketing plan, et cetera. But, um, you know, we are the reason why, you know, fashion, apparel, footwear, all these things are in the space that it's in today. Now add on Afrobeats or, you know, the the continent of Africa, it's just going to make the takeover is going to be very interesting Um, just because, you know, a a lot of us even, you know, being African black, you know, black Americans, we have the ability to sit, you know, see our history here. Not always. Right. We don't see it in our books. We don't always get to see it in our on on TV um, unless it's in a negative light. Um, But to be able to kind of have that connection back to Africa, and just being able to to open up the doors, it's going to be very exciting. Um, and I and I don't and I think that it's going to be a lot different than people might think. Um, whether it's like us going, being able to go back to Africa and have an experience, and that experience really challenging what we do and how we see things today, and also how people see Africa. Um, you know, the way that it's displayed in America isn't, you know, isn't always in the best light, but, you know, they can't put us, they can't hold us in the dark anymore when it comes to, you know, how we travel there, how we communicate with our, with our own people uh, there. So I think that it's going to make a big difference in just in apparel, like not just in a bit like a visual sense, like visually we'll be able to see it in the way that people wear their clothing or their garments um the footwear that might come from it but also i think mentally that's where the the big change will be not just for you know black americans but for america europe etc like how influential africa is not just in fashion but in everything else that you know resources real resources not 100%. like paper that has been turned into uh currency so i know that was long-winded but just that's good. My mind started racing when she said that. I didn't know how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, it was good, though. It was really good. And lastly, um, I was listening to a previous interview where you talking about, you know, not effectively creating in a vacuum. And um, you talked about, you know, design inspiration and where you find inspiration. Um, and you said the best place to find it from your perspective was in nature and like literally go outside and be inspired by what you see, the trees, the air, the whatever. Um, and I, was, I immediately thought about Michael Jordan because I grew up as a big, humongous Michael Jordan fan. I remember almost every sneaker in his line was designed after some sort of vehicle, like a Corvette. Um, and I want you to talk about two things in closing. And what elements of, in the shapes of your work, if you look at your resume, what elements in nature do you most frequently find inspiration from? Because um, if I think about it, easy, I'm thinking it probably like leaves, probably, if I'm thinking about nature. Um, so I'm gonna let you answer that. And then I'm, I, want, I also want you to talk about um, the the idea or concept of both problems being all around you, therefore opportunities being all around you. Yeah. So if you could so yeah. those
6: things. Yep, yeah, my bad. Um, you know, so when it comes to the inspiration that that I take and try to like implement in my design process or just in design in general, uh, you know, I think that the closest thing to us as humans are you know other animals, right? Um, so just being able to see like how they live their lives and how they work. Now I'm not saying I'm going out and like messing around with rattlesnakes or anything like that, but you know, even watching it on TV is very interesting. Just seeing how um you know a panther might run you know same thing like you know how tinker used like a black cat to to represent and create some footwear for for mike um just seeing how you know they live their lives and, and how fascinating they move compared to the human body but how also you know these animals are also more um connected to the ground they're more connected to the earth versus versus how we are where. We have now removed ourselves from the earth a lot more. Um, so that you know, just in the design phase in general, is trying to look at like how you know how do we use biomimicry? You know, typically biomimicry can be you know almost anything that has to do with nature. But how can we focus on like animals and and seeing how they live their lives and almost uh, either whether it's stripped back or in addition to create things for ourselves, apparel, footwear, um, you know. Prosthetics, you know, there's a lot of things like that that come off of looking and creating off animals, and I think that's that's probably where I gather most of my my information. But I definitely, you know, in nature in general. But when it comes to animals, I, I keep it on the TV as much as possible. Definitely, yeah. Um, and and then for the the second question, uh, can you repeat? Yeah, that yeah. So right? the,
1: second, the second part was in the idea of the both problems are all around you and therefore the solution, the opportunity is all around you. And just, if you open your eyes, you can see opportunities all around you.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for the second question, just like the problems and opportunities, um, I think that's how a lot of, you know, design is created. That's, you know, you might think that way, but a lot of times it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's not, but for me personally, um, it's like having an equation right? And it goes back to the idea of process and and progress through that process. So just understanding and seeing like there are opportunities everywhere. How do you really take that internally and then filter through your own lens? Um, Because a lot of people are, I I wouldn't call them like an opportunist, but instead of really finding a problem, more people just kind of like that what they're creating is not solution-based that, you know, they didn't, they're not solving a problem. They're just creating extra to what's already out in the world. And I can even say that about, you know, there's a lot of things out there that are like that, but again, I think when it comes back to what I said before, that honesty portion, um, even if you're not necessarily solving a problem, um, you, you're creating this idea of like, Hey, there is a market. For what I'm creating, there are people that are looking for this specific thing, and it might not be a specific problem, but you might just be saying like, "Okay, here's a group of people. Here, these are the things that I want to represent. How do I be honest with myself and then tell a true story? So then that that opportunity then gains, you know, real life customers or consumers, um, but then also people that that feel." a part of something that wasn't there before so you know not to be like opportunists, but you're trying to create like a safe space for other people you're trying to create a product that represents a certain group of people that might feel um not represented if that makes sense
1: Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBarn and me, Will Lucas with additional production support by Sarah Ergen and Rose McLucas Special thank you to Micah Davis Vanessa Serrano and Maya Mulju Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com Enjoy your Black Tech Green Money? Share this with somebody Go get your money Peace and love
3: But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands.
2: Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big
0: wave surfer Laird Hamilton on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine